0: You're listening to The Big Show with Russick and Rose on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Hour number three. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960 The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems, downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Fresh off winning, the Canadian Shield has the best team in the CPL. Our man Tommy Wilden Jr. will join us, and we'll do problems to wrap up the show. It's a little game Maddie, uh, Maddie came up with.
1: Little segment. Yeah, a little segment. It's not much of a game. I don't know if there's a winner. No, there isn't. I think They're we're just, all winners when just, it's end, when it's over and sure. done.
0: Sure. We just talk about some problems.
1: Yeah. Teams, NFL, you name yep. it. Maybe expanded as the year gets going. Um,
0: our next guest uh covers the Calgary Flames for Sportsnet. Was On a the problem for his
2: opposition, talking yeah. that
0: much. On the Atlas Pizza and Sportsport Guest Hotline, we say good morning to the franchise, Mr. Eric Francis. Hello, sir. How are you?
2: I'm fantastic, boys. How are you?
0: We're good. Uh, do you want to hear about my uh, crow sandwich story yesterday on the golf course?
2: Gross sandwich?
0: Well, it is gross, but a crow and a sandwich. You're
2: going to have
0: to explain that. Yeah, okay. go ahead. I like it. So we're, at the, uh, we're on the 10th at uh, Canyon Meadows. Got some, got some Sandys at the turn. And then um, while we're in our golf carts, the, the cart ahead of me um, in our group my um, man, Derek and Dustin, uh, Derek's sandwich was stolen. The top part of his sandwich was stolen by a crow. And we saw yeah. the crow eating the sandwich on the side. Derek then subsequently ate the bottom half of the sandwich.
2: Ooh, questionable. <laughs> questionable.
0: Yeah, I know. Well, I,
2: a number of things. Uh, wow. Okay. So, First of all, are you aware that a similar incident to that almost killed Rick Ball? Yeah, we're aware, yes. We're, we're, yeah. we're, yes. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. Uh, second of all, you know, and, I, and you were kind enough to invite me, yesterday, I, I couldn't make it. Uh, did you pay for these sandwiches? Because if I, if I missed you buying a round, I'm going to be so pissed <laughs> off.
0: <laughs> no, it was actually the guy who bought the round of sandwiches. His sandwich was stolen, and then he subsequently ate the bottom half of the sandwich.
2: Wow. Well, they got to get your money's worth. Mm-hmm. That's. Uh, Would
0: you eat the yeah, sandwich?
2: Man, I don't. It, so many factors: how hungry you are, uh, whether you paid for the sandwich or someone got it for you. Uh, also, did did you, did he see the theft? You know, because if it was no. a clean, if it was a clean nope.
0: break, we were on the green.
2: Oh man, highly questionable. How's he doing today?
0: I don't know. Maybe he's flying oh. around the city of Calgary today. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea.
2: Wow. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Okay. I wouldn't have advised that. But anyway,
0: yeah. go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, it's super gross. Um, one more thing before we get to flames talk. Um, I've been talking about this, and it, it gets our listeners really upset that we talk about this, and it kind of m- makes me want to talk about it. Then, uh, Travis Kelsey, Taylor Swift situation. Here's my take. I want to get your take on it. I think Travis Kelsey's feeling a lot of pressure because he's dating the most popular girl on the on the planet right now. What would Eric Francis be doing right now if he was dating Taylor Swift? How nervous would you be around Taylor Swift?
2: Well, I would certainly make sure that if she came to my football game, that I wouldn't have to sneak her out of the box in a popcorn machine. (laughs) Do you really think she was in there? No, no, but you know what? I have a 17-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son, and we all went down to Vegas to see Taylor Swift. And so this became a big topic in the family yesterday. And yes, nobody believes that she was actually in there. She would not, she would not stoop to that. Mm.
1: She, there's literally videos of her in janitor, like, in janitor bins exactly like that going from the green room to her stage to perform. There are videos of her doing that at her shows. So she's done it before.
2: Potentially, but she's a superhero. It's my belief, it's my understanding that she just clicked her heels three times and got from the box into her her private jet and there's no muss, no fuss. Okay. She's magical. She is a magical animal, that one. Okay. I would be nervous dating her, yes, of course.
0: Yeah, again.
2: but, But if you were dating her, you certainly wouldn't have to eat the bottom end of a stolen sandwich nope. for a crow. Nope. You you see, you yeah, you yeah. round, no, uh, yeah. you would not have to do that. You could let her loose. Yeah, you could buy another round. No problem.
0: You would not have to do that. How much does that suck, seeing Jacob Pelci get hurt like that last night?
2: Oh, yeah. You know what? And I've, He's one of my favorite people in the room. I think every guy who covers the team would say that. And just yesterday, he was puffing out his chest. He was bragging to me about how he's put on eight pounds of muscle in the summer. <laughs> and he was so excited about the season. He said, you know, in terms of comfort level, Last year, he might have been a 6 out of 10 in camp because uh, he hadn't proven when he was an NHLer by then. And then by, you know, this year, he says he's 10 out of 10. And then that goes and happens. And, of course, we don't know the extent of it. And it wasn't malicious. For those who hadn't seen the hit, like, he, yeah, the guy got a boarding major, which was kind of – I don't think that was the right call. I, I'm not really sure what Pelci was thinking. He kind of turned back into the check. It's one of those situations where if it was my son, I'd be like, what were you thinking? That's on you for turning back into the check. But either way, either way, it was ugly, uh, unfortunate, and uh, I have. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm pretty sure that he's going to be gone for a, uh, a bit of time here because that that looked really bad, and it looked like his shoulder. Uh, who knows? I hope I'm wrong. I'm certainly not a doctor.
1: We've talked about Adam Klapka on the show before. Is he who kind of poised to benefit from this situation if Pelche can't? You know,
2: That's, absolutely
1: debut. Absolutely. I guess.
2: Yeah, and like I, I think I told you guys a couple of weeks ago, my I predicted Klapka will start the season with the Flames. I really believe he will, and especially if Pelche's not there, uh, that would solidify Klapka being, you know, I was thinking he would be the 13th forward, but if uh, Pelche can't go, then mm-hmm. he would be, Klopka's the obvious 12th forward to me. Now, we still have quite a lot of camp to go, and guys can still prove themselves, young guys, but to me, he's been, of all the young guys who have at least a shot, cracking this lineup, and I'm not counting Coronado because he's a, he was, we all know he's going to start the season, probably on that second line. Uh, Pelche was a cinch to start the season, so was Dewar, but when we talk about young guys cracking the lineup, Clapton was the top of the list for me, and uh, he's done nothing to to prove otherwise, and uh, you know, I, I just think that I think he's done a lot of little things right, and on top of it all, he's 6'7", mm-hmm. and he can throw him a little bit. He told me he had seven fights last year in the AHL. He's been working on that and uh, this team's going to need some more toughness and more presence with the absence of Lucic. So I think he fills that void. Uh, I'm not saying he replaces Lucic. I don't think anybody does, but um, I'm a fan. I'm a fan.
1: We've seen Adam Razichka, the fourth-round pick from 2017. He's been playing center. He's been playing on the wing. This feels like a big camp for this young man who has never really been able to get a strong footing in the NHL, and this kind of feels like it for him.
2: And who was this? Sorry, sorry. I just missed it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, again, I, I penciled him in from before the start of camp on that second line. I, I know from talking to management and the coach, like, they, they really want to know if that 20-game stretch line, he went 24 games, he had 20 points last year. They want to know if that could be uh, rekindled, if that scoring binge, that, 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 that offensive touch. And uh, y- you don't do that if you're, you're centering the fourth line, where I think a lot of people have penciled him in to start the season. They want to test him on that second line as a left winger, big time. And they've done that, you know, in camp. Uh, they're going to continue to do that. And you know, we we see his size. He's six four. He's two two something two ten. I don't know what he is now. He's a big, big man. And uh, you know, consistency has always been the question with him, dating back to when they drafted him. That's always been the knock on him. So. Yeah, he went 24 games with 20 points, and then I don't think he got a single point for, like, the next 19 games. And that's Ruzichka in a nutshell for you. So if they could find a way to get him more consistent, and, and wouldn't it be big if they could do it alongside Kadri who also had some consistency issues last year? Um, I, I don't think there's any question. Again, uh, that, that seems like an opening night starting line to me. Kadri in the middle, uh, Ruzichka on the left side, and, and Dubé on the right side.
0: Eric Francis, the franchise, joining us here on the Atlas Pizza in Sports Bar, I guess, silent. It's a big show, Russick and Rose, 960 The Fan. Uh, Maddie and I had this conversation earlier, and I know you just said that Coronado potentially starting on the second line. I'd like to see him play with Huberto, and I'd like to give a long look with Huberto as well. We've seen the, the shot. We saw flashes of it in that 10 nothing beatdown. This kid's got an incredible release, and I want to put the best playmaker on the team with the team's top prospect, and let's see how this goes. Maybe give it a longer look, Eric.
2: Yeah, I I think over time you're definitely going to see that. Uh, I think right now they want to make sure that, you know, they really hope that fit with Sharon Sharon Govich works on the top line. I'm with you. I think on power plays you're going to see that from time to time. You know, well, for a lot of times you're going to see Coronado and Huberto working together uh, as the setup man and the trigger man. Uh, You know, so far so good with Coronado. I mean, good God. The other night I know they were playing the Abbotsford Canucks, but – you know, I would say that of any preseason game I've ever covered, that one might be the most memorable, not just because of the score, but like this is an organization. remember guys that it this this camp is all about getting their swagger back, their confidence and 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 finding chemistry with one another. If that's the goal of training camp, oh my God, like what a great start for them. Uh, Huberto, toe drag release, beautiful goal. Caudry with a just a stanky little backhand shelf uptight <laughs> like it was it was boy, those guys had a little bounce of their step afterwards, and again, I know the the score doesn't matter, but uh, the confidence building does, and uh that Coronado so he played fourteen minutes the other night, he was on for six of the flames goals, he was plus five, four points, scored on all three shots on goal. talk about efficiency like that that was an insane preseason debut for the young man and i'm not saying he's going to continue or that he's going to win the calder this year but i am saying it couldn't have started any better that's for sure
0: uh you mentioned that game uh during the intermission uh with dan murphy uh you said that maybe the flames and michael Backlund are heading towards a contract extension with of course would probably mean the C is going to be put onto his sweater have you heard anything new do you expect anything here on the michael Backlund front soon
2: yeah, I'm at the point now where I'd be very, very surprised if there's not a press conference in the next two weeks. Not only announcing his uh, his signing, but also the captaincy would be uh, stitched onto his jersey. So I, 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 I would be just. This is an opportunity of a lifetime for Michael Backlund, and I think he's understanding that. Look, you you could go chase free agency, chase a cup, go ask Jerome McGinley how that went for him. It's just impossible to pick the winner, and also hope that the team you know, Flames would trade you to one of those teams. Uh, and, and he'd go somewhere and be a third line center, uh, you know, for a year or two and, you know, not be part of the community, not be known or rem- remembered by anybody, or you could stay here and build a legacy and and be the captain, play your thousandth game here, go on the wall of, you know, the wall of honor or the forever of flame, whatever they call it. Like he matters here. He won't matter anywhere else. And I think he's happy here. And the stank of last year, and and the you know the the darkness that followed this team with with the coach, it's all gone. There's a great new atmosphere in the dome, and I'm not just talking about in the dressing room. I'm talking about everywhere. And he understands that, and I think he's ready to. Uh, I think he's ready to sign.
0: What does that contract look like?
2: That's a great question because uh, you know it's not. It's got to work for both sides too. I mean, at the end of the day, he's still just a third line center. Uh, yeah, he means a lot to everybody in the room. Every guy will tell you he's their captain. But you can't overpay for a third-line center. Uh, he brings a lot. I think he's valued here more than any other city in the NHL because they've seen what they, the little things he does. I don't want to throw a number at it because I'm not really quite sure exactly what that looks like, but it, it can't go more than three years, in my opinion. Okay. But that might be the sticking point. He might say, look, I understand where my value is, Like whatever, whether it's, I don't know, $5 million a year. I, I don't know what the number is. I really don't. I'm not a capologist. But I do think that you know, you get into a dangerous territory when you start adding more than two or three years to this guy's contract because he is 34. And uh, as we already know, they're already, they're already going to have three other guys who are playing late into their thirties mm-hmm. coming up here. So I, I think they got to be cautious with that.
0: Uh, Eric, we, we all know that uh, contract talk was, was dominating the summer here in Calgary, mainly surrounding around uh, Elias Lindholm. Is it me or is it weird that I thought it was just about whether or not he wants to stay but now I'm getting this sense and what we've heard from him himself is like, they kind of know what I want. Is this that he wants more money than maybe the flames are comfortable giving him? Is that where we're at right so. now with this negotiation?
2: Yeah. You know, I, I had a long chat with him the other day and I, I said, look, when we were asking you at the golf tournament about your contract situation, you seemed really frustrated. Were you just frustrated at the questions? Cause you, you, you know, you've heard them all summer and you, you feel like you're going to hear them all year. Or is there more to this? Like, is this, you know, A contractual thing that's really frustrating you and of course he's not going to get into it but I I just sensed in reading between the lines of what he said um, it's got to work for both sides and right now it doesn't work for him in terms of the numbers that the team is offering so again uh, I'm not going to criticize the club for trying to play ball on this because this is a delicate one too I don't think there's any question if he goes to free agency next year he's getting something that starts with a nine just on the open market, and with the cap going up, I, I think that you know someone's going to reach out and say, "My God, we get a one A one B center right now for nine million bucks." I'm not saying it's a bargain, but he does so much. Um, there's no way the Flames are going to pay him nine. Uh, I don't think so. Uh, you know, somewhere between nine, where he knows he can get that next year, and where the Flames are right now by throwing in an extra year, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's suddenly, certainly somewhere between eight and nine. Uh, but that's that's a pretty wide gap, especially if you multiply it by eight years.
1: How much do you think that the contracts of some of the other players on one-year deals, the Zadorovs, the Tanevs, how much do you think that the front office is kind of managing that, looking at that, maybe trying to get something done before the season begins for some of the other players that maybe would be seen as down the list to some?
2: Yeah, I, I, think, it's, I think it's a lot like the Johnny Gaudreau situation two years ago where everything was ground to a halt until they knew exactly what Johnny's situation was, you know, how much they were going to have to pay him if he was going to sign in Calgary and their hands were tied with pretty much every other contract because that's your biggest nut. And if you don't know what the, the cost of that is, it's hard to proceed elsewhere. And I think the same is true right now with those other guys, you know, obviously they want to extend Chris Tanev. Obviously they'd like to extend the And I think in both cases, those guys would be wide open to it, especially if this team gets off to a good start. Uh, but it's hard for the Flames to peg how much money they're going to have left because they don't know if they're going to have, you know, Elias Lindholm under contract or not. So I, I think that those are all on hold until, you know, until they know cost certainty with Lindholm. And uh, the Backlund's a little different because you know he's a captain and there's some urgency to this situation because if he doesn't sign in the next two weeks, they've got to move on and sign someone else as a captain. So there's a bit of a deadline when it comes to Backlund, in my opinion.
0: What's your gut telling you if Oliver Shillington plays for the Calgary Flames this season?
2: Oh man, that is just the saddest story. I can report that he's still in town, which is good news. Um, I (laughs) my gut tells me he does play, Um, but you know it's just so upsetting. You know, forget about all the hockey stuff and the fact that the organization now has to consider the possibility that the very real possibility that they can't count on him this year. Um, that's, that's just so upsetting. And, but, but first and foremost, it's about this person who's really struggling. I mean, this is a kid in the prime of his career. He's heading into unrestricted free agency next year. Like if he can't make this work, uh, I just worry about how he'll deal later in life with the fact that his NHL career was, uh, you know, he lost his, the rest of his NHL career because of these issues that he's got. So there's just so much going on there. And it's, I just, I just, I just hope so badly that uh, the young man can 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 get through this and, and get back in. It, 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 everything was set, guys. Like it seemed like the stage was set for him to, to to make that debut on the opening day of camp, and I'm sure that would have been a very tough day for him uh, because I don't know if he's worried about the media, he's worried about the reaction, the spotlight, um, but he just couldn't do it. He couldn't take that final step. He was so close, and uh, and that and I think that missing that even compounds. The anxiety was coming back at some other point. Anyway, I'm hoping they can work with him. They've got great experts working with him. And, uh, you know, I know everybody in town's pulling for him.
1: You don't want to, you know, focus on these type of situations at all. But is it Dennis Gilbert? Is it Jordan Oosterle? Obviously, Gilbert had that fall into the boards. Like, who are some of the guys that you look at to kind of be that sixth defenseman then? Some options for this team. Is Ilya Solovoyev on the map for that?
2: I can tell you that management is very, very impressed with Soloviev, and I'm not just talking about because he got a goal and assist last night in Seattle. Like they really like this kid, and and Huska was talking to me about him before camp. And when I was asking who the seventh defenseman would be, would it be Gilbert or you say Oosterlee, I say Oosterlee, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, I think that the guy who, if the season started tomorrow, it would be it would be Oosterlee, but they love the toughness that Dennis Gilbert brings and you're going to see him in the lineup a ton this year, a ton. Uh, I think he's going to have to shoulder the burden of being the tough guy on this team. And I know that's kind of an antiquated position and, you know, teams, it's not as relevant as it used to be, but this team lost a significant amount of toughness with the departure of Lucic. And I think that Gilbert's the perfect guy to help shoulder that load and, I also he's a fan favorite, and I I thought he showed really well last year. So yeah, I think Austin they would be ranked number one. Uh, Dennis Gilbert would be number two, and I think uh, they call him Solo. Uh, Solo would be three, and uh, in, in terms of the depth chart, they really like this kid. And another guy thinks think had a really good. He was really good in Penticton, uh, is Kuznetsov, and yeah. he's a big, big man. He works really, really hard. Like that's the the the, the word on him. They just they can't believe his work ethic. Uh, he's got size. And uh, yeah, so I would say he's probably number four on the list.
1: Pronunciation, guys, says Oster Lee. Oster Lee.
2: Can we just call him O?
1: Sure, Jordy O. Be,
2: yeah, I'd be. Yeah. I'd really appreciate Jordy O.
1: Would, okay, okay, yeah, that, that, yeah. That works. Yeah, I can. We can go with that. Um, O O-d- dog. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, that's the uh, that's the other guys. Um, Nikita Zadorov. I uh, just want to get your quick uh, thoughts on Nikita Zadorov and. How much ceiling is left for that guy? Or he's kind of what he is, what he is. He's just, you don't know what you're going to get on a night in, night out basis with him.
2: Yeah. You know, he hit 14 goals last year, guys. Like that's that was glossed over, you know, it's an amazing season. Uh, I I think he could still get better. He, he, he'll tell you, he says, I feel like I've gotten better every year of my career. Don't forget when he got here, he was a sixth defenseman, fifth or sixth defenseman. Uh, where was he? In Chicago and right you know and he's progressed to the point where i think on a lot of teams in the national hockey league he'd be in their top four i think he's hugely valuable i think it's critical to this or and the critical is, not, is too strong a word but i think they really know they they would love to sign him uh to an extension here i know he's open to that which is key because not everybody is open to that possibility and i i i just yeah i think the sky is the limit for him he And when I say that, I mean, I don't think he's going to get more than 14 goals or equal that again. But this guy, the knock on him has been that every once in a while, he just turns into an adventure. And defensively, he could be a bit of a a wild card. Um, And we saw, I think we saw that a lot last year. Maybe, you know, as he chased more offense, he kind of gave up some defensively. But that first year under Sutter, when Sutter and, and, and Ryan Husker really introduced some structure to his game that he hadn't seen before, uh, he he really shone. He was just fantastic two years ago. So, yeah, an important part. Uh, and 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 I think that they will get him signed at some point this season.
0: Do you have anything that irks you before we go?
2: Yeah, yeah. It's been a
0: while. We haven't done this in a while.
2: It's, uh, yeah, I got some stuff to get off my chest. Uh, yeah, I got one for you today for okay. sure.
0: GVP, do you have it ready? It's
2: that time of the week. Time to find out what's irking. Right now on The Big Show. Can, can we all agree that there may not be a more perfect food on the planet than the cinnamon roll? Like, <laughs> it's absolutely magnificent in okay. so many ways. All right. And 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 this morning is my, my daughter's 17th birthday. And we have a family tradition where on the, anyone's birthday, my wife makes cinnamon rolls. With the beautiful, the icing and all that, and yep. you wake up and the whole house smells like that. It's just so amazing. Well, over the years, my my poor daughter is uh, she's got uh, gluten intolerance and, and lactose intolerance, and so I I went to a bakery that specifically makes gluten-free, lactose-free cinnamon buns.
1: Oh, you're such a good dad. I will won't. wait till the story's over. Okay.
2: Well, it ruined it. Like, <laughs> the most incredible, incredibly delicious dessert in the world, yep. and you absolutely destroyed it with those two by having to do that. And again, i do it again for my daughter, but even she didn't like it. It was just awful. So there it is, the gluten-free, <laughs> lactose-free cinnamon buns. Yep. Please, world, stop me. I can't do this anymore.
1: All right, Eric. it's my favorite thing to get from the cafe downstairs at my apartment is their cinnamon buns with the icing. Oh my goodness! Warm one of those suckers up, right there with you, bud.
2: Oh well, the studies have shown that that's the that's the most uh, attractive smell in the world. I've seen mm, studies really. Say that. And when you get off a plane in anywhere in the United States, oh yeah, what airport you could smell the Cinnabon or cinerol or whatever company it is, and you. Uh, you seek it out you, wherever it doesn't matter what terminal it's in you'll you'll take the tram to go over and find that smell and eat one but it won't be gluten-free and it won't be lactose-free
1: you know what i like about a cinnamon bun eric what's that they don't try and lie to you and pretend to be healthy like those no good muffins
2: oh don't get me started on muffins again it's cake good call it's, it's cake it's, it's cake they're cakes exactly yep. but they're still not as good as cinnamon rolls
1: not even close just like those aliens they showed in mexico it's cake no those were aliens no it was cake no those um, were actually eric aliens. francis they were actually aliens <laughs> they were cake no they uh, were aliens
0: uh eric francis uh, they were
1: discovered like f- they came here like 800 years ago george they were aliens they did tests on them and everything lots of buttercream
0: and those things no uh, they were- eric francis great job pal
2: See
0: you later, you two aliens. <laughs> All right. There he is, Eric Francis. Uh, straight ahead. Tommy Wilden Jr., fresh off uh, his club, winning the Canadian Shield, best regular season team in the CPL. Got so, yourself a toonie. Yeah. But, yeah, it's been a while <laughs> since we've spoken to Tommy just <laughs> just looks Wilden looks like a Jr. big toonie. Uh, really? It looks, yeah, it looks like a big toonie. See, toony. I told
1: what That's what I was referencing.
0: That's what the yeah, Shield interesting. looks I'll show you during the break. Okay. And uh, we'll play some problems. It wasn't totally dumb for me to say that. No, it, no. it was Everybody's relevant. calling it the Toonie. Yeah. You know? yeah.
1: Yeah. Get yourself you a me- Toonie.
0: When it first came out, they tried to call it the Dub Looney. That just never caught on. Weird. Oh, the
1: double Looney. Yeah, you can't. Yeah, do it's that. a double
0: Looney. The double
1: Oh, I thought you meant like when they came out with the shield, they tried to call it no. that. No. You meant when they came out with the Toonie. Also, when the Toonie first came
0: out,
3: you push
1: the middle
0: you c- one out. If you freeze it, you can actually push the middle yeah. of the Toonie out. Huh. They don't I always wondered about that, actually. Yeah, and then they had to re-engineer the toonie to make sure it was fine. There. See? Let me see that thing. Kind of looks like a toonie. Yeah, it totally looks like a toonie. Yeah. Go get yourself a toonie, bud. A, a Uh Tommy Wilden Jr. next. It's The Big Show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Downtown Studio, it's The Big Show, Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, The Fan. We'll wrap up uh, today's show with some
1: problems. But what it is, I have a three of them.
0: Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, what isn't? A problem? I got one
1: that's maybe a little spicy too.
0: Mm. What isn't a problem is uh, Cavalry FC winning the Canadian Shield as the top regular season squad in the CPL. To talk about it, our man on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, head coach of Cav- head coach and GM of Cavalry FC, Tommy Wielden Jr. Hello, sir. How are you?
4: Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, enjoying the surreal moment. <laughs>
0: um what uh, the trophy itself looks like a toonie did you notice that right away yourself
4: uh, not really but now you say it yeah uh, it might look a bit different in person than on a picture and hopefully a lot bigger than the toonie
0: yeah uh, again just talk about uh, your season tommy it's something we talked about on the show five straight draws to beginning of the year like how like it's ever since the beginning of the season to now how did we get to being the best team in the cpl
4: uh, yeah, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, leadership, a lot of tactical tweaks, um, a lot of evolution and building of chemistry, I think is, you know, it wasn't one singular thing. It was a just getting a group of guys to believe in themselves. You know, we hadn't won in five, but we also hadn't lost. And I think it was up to us in those more challenging times to remind the players of that. And what if we tried this? What if we did this? And then when you start doing those things on the pitch, confidence arises and then you know, We had a very big ethos going through that You know, we weren't going to get too high on the highs and too low on our lows and just focus on our next opponent. And I think by being that grounded, it allowed us to play one game at a time. And when you're playing a 28-game regular season with you know, a shield at the end of it, um, a conquer-calf berth at the end of it, you didn't want them getting too far carried away. You just focus on the team in front. of you And uh, to do it with two games spare is remarkable, really, considering uh, of our start.
0: Um, Tommy, I was about to ask you uh, how exciting is that Concacaf birth here? Uh, it, it'll happen in the spring. Calgary's a little cold in the spring, especially early on. You could be heading to somewhere warm. Like, how much is I know you're focused on this season and winning the championship, and then get all of that. But you know, maybe lying in bed, are you, you fantasizing about hmm, where are we potentially going and how exciting <laughs> when those matches be come springtime?
4: I'd be lying if I said I wasn't. I mean, that's the, that's the <laughs> thing, right? You got, you, know, you know, now we've secured that and there, you can now start thinking of two things, right? How do we attack the playoffs and how do we attack CONCACAF? And, you know, it is looking like, I think the Champions Cup, CONCACAF Champions Cup starts in February. So, yeah, um, we're looking at some things that we'll look at for in around Spruce Meadows, how we can maintain the pitch and, and allow it for, for time to, to be ready for them, uh, to who we could play. We could play anyone like... Uh, Lionel Messi in, in into Miami to you know uh, tigres or club america in mexico its uh, it 's a lot of top top clubs and to see our crest uh, having only been five years old mm-hmm. alongside those in a major uh, tournament is uh, is significant and that 's testament to our ownership group that brought this club to our city
0: is is playing the Azteca. Maybe on the top of the list. Oh. I know it's impossible to play there, Tommy, but just the challenge of playing in that stadium, would that be at the top of the list?
4: Yeah, we had that discussion yesterday as a staff, and that was one that, you know, Nick Ledgewoods played there for the Canadian national team, and he said it's something else. So, you know, to have that experience, absolutely, you'd want to go there. Um, so, yeah, we, we'd like to go to the best, toughest place to go. I mean, why not? Because that's the only way you can improve Canadian players is, is put them in the toughest environment, see how they grow, and then chase it again.
1: Tommy, you won the Canadian Shield back in 2019 in the inaugural season, the CPL Shield. Um, who are some of the people that you know have been here for the past five years and helped you get back to this point that maybe we don't hear so much about?
4: Yeah, um, There's a lot of actually what we call our originals. So what's really nice about it, the ones still on the pitch is Marco Carducci and Sergio Camargo. And they've been incredible emotional uh, leaders within the locker room uh, to on the pitch, being able to be our, our, our tempo changers, to be able to be our leaders. Marco at the back, Sergio in the attack, and they've been great uh, and they're terrific human beings as well. You know, behind the scenes now, you know, Jose Escalante started the season now back in Honduras, but behind the scenes, you've got our first ever player, Nick Ledgewood, is doing a fantastic job as assistant coach. You know, Leon Hapgood's been with me since day one as well. He's our other assistant coach and technical director. Um, you've got my brother, Jay Weldon that was part of that group. He's our under-21 coach. You know, we brought back Oliver Minatel, who is now our head of recruitment. Tova Fakunle had a brief stint with us in 2019, now our assistant GM. And, and Mason Trafford, who's our commercial director. And what's great about that is, is you've got people who have bled for the team on the pitch that are doing phenomenal things off it to ensure that this is not just you know one-and-done season. We're trying to do a sustainable club that's got more and more fans coming in more and more opportunities so we can keep s- producing the likes of a go team that we can sell to being able to still go and chase trophies as well and um I, I'm, I'm blessed to be able to be surrounded by them
1: tommy your group started the season one one and six how do you compare mm-hmm. contrast the emotions of now knowing the work you had to do to get to this position versus how you felt after those first eight games
4: Well, when you flip back and you just mentioned 2019, 2019, we won seven in a row. So we started with an absolute blast. And then this year, we we struggled to get the wins on the board. And um, I think what people never talk about is it's in the hard times where you grow resilience. And it's resilience that most champions are made. Because they've been able to come through the other side of it. That's where you see your true character. It's Not when, like, we're winning and lifting trophies and winning games. That's the good, but it's 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 the hardships. That's what bonds a team together or breaks them. And in our case, it bonded us. So I think to have that instead of, you know, suffering that and the and the resi- having to go through the resilience in in the playoffs with a bad call here or there. I would rather do that early in the season now and haven't lived it. Deal with the criticisms, the pressures from the outside world and protect the players. And that's what we chose to do. And that's what we've had uh, success with this year.
0: Um, Tommy, I know that no, we want to get to the season and look ahead to the playoffs here as well. But just uh, the, the selling of Gote and Tigny, the, the Canadian attacker, mm-hmm. went to the League Two side uh, in France. What does that What does that mean just for the CPL that now... Teams in Europe, uh, who have obviously a a lot Mm. bigger budget than we do in the CPL, are plucking players from this league. Like, How exciting is that? Not exciting as much for you to losing a player Mm. of his caliber, but what it means for the club financially and even for the league that teams in Europe are watching and now grabbing some of these players.
4: Absolutely. I mean, uh, it's a a football business. We're in the sporting and entertaining world. Um, Our ownership has always been about developing opportunities for Canadians. So in our remit has always been, can we compete for trophies and can we produce players? You know, you have to look at top clubs like, like Ajax. They produce players year in, year out in the Netherlands and sell them on. Lots of clubs in Brazil from Santos to Sao Paulo do exactly the same. And that's what ends up making national teams stronger is just creating this depth chart. We have to give these players opportunities first. It's never... Ideal to celebrate mid-season, but our, trend, our our summer league versus you know uh, um, you know the school year ones that are run in Europe at, at different transfer windows. So sometimes in this time we we have to be able to be at the hands of the buyer versus versus control the the hands of the seller. But this is part of our remit. This is what when I met with Linda Sudden Heathcote and Ian Allison, our president. We talked about this in day one. We have to do this, and, and that's why the Southern family have, have been very much invested um, in this club.
3: Tommy, uh, now that you've got uh, first place locked up, you, you can mm-hmm. uh, start focusing in on the, that 2,000-minute mark for the under-21s that mm-hmm. the CPL instilled. You were probably you going to get there regardless, but now that you've got these two games at the end of the year that you can kind of experiment with uh, different lineups, do you do you like the way you can uh, throw these under-21s, get like more like Miles Reed is out there and put him into more important situations?
4: Yeah, and what's been good is his likes of him and Gareth Smith yes. Doyle have, have, have done really really well of late, especially on the road swing. His, uh Miles scored that important goal at Halifax and created a, the uh, the Willie Akeo goal away at Ottawa. You know, Gareth Smith Doyle played a lot of minutes in Halifax and held the ball up well. And you know, he's a soldier for us, and you know, able to play a couple of positions. So look, they'll uh, they'll both be playing this weekend. How long they'll play will be depend on how well they perform, because we've got two teams to be able to play. Um, so I think. Sorry, two games left to play, so I think it's important that it's still done on merit. It's not just, hey, we want to roll out the minutes. Those guys know. We've always had a strategy, and I think we're, you know, whilst we'll never be the top of the uh, under-21 minutes, we'll always be near the top of the league because we've always done it based on merit, and that's also the message you want to send across the room
3: uh One guy that I think uh, we've talked about it with our conversations uh, in, in the past year is Meyer bevan. Uh, I think this is a guy that uh he's he's really picked up in the spot when you lost some of the goal scoring last year and he's finally been healthy this year. Just just uh, maybe a credit to what uh, what the Kiwis done for this group this year is he's been he's been super special with, with be it from the pK spot or getting a goal in game
4: yeah, yeah, I mean Meyer bevan is uh, something else. he works so hard for the team. he's an incredible character. He's a clever, clever mover. that He's always playing off the shoulder of the, uh, the defenders, and that's where the goal came on the weekend, and he also had a breakaway with it. He's, um, he, he's, a, he's an absolute warrior. That is New Zealand blood, and uh, we're blessed to have him because he's now in the opportunity to chase. He's now got double figures. He's now able to chase over the last couple of games the golden boot, and I'd be delighted if he got it. If he doesn't, we know the value he's, he's given to the team.
0: Tommy Wielden Jr., the head coach and general manager of Cavalry FC. Tommy, Tommy, we still uh, got to take Matty Rose out to lunch uh, because his yeah, World too. Cup pick of Argentina went all the way. We Me still owe him a lunch, so we got to do that <laughs> well, when the it. season's done, and hopefully celebrate a yeah, championship for you guys.
4: Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. Hopefully, we've got two trophies to celebrate and a, and a World Cup win for Matty. So uh, yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely uh, pay up on that one.
0: All right, sounds good. Uh, best of luck, Tommy. Thanks for this. Enjoy the toony.
4: <laughs> thanks, thanks. thanks. Yeah, All right, thanks. I
0: wonder if there's chocolate inside that thing.
1: <laughs> no, it's the loonies that are wrapped in chocolate. You fool! They made it cake. Now. They can make toonies. <laughs> um, it's cake.
0: Uh, congratulations again. What What are the chances? Uh, obviously, best team in the CPL. Like, what's their toughest matchup here to potentially win a championship? I mean, because they got home
3: field the rest of the way. Yeah, I mean that's the thing with the the new playoff format. It kind of gives, it gives you this. So that now that Cavs have locked down first. They have they will play the second seed in the uh, opening weekend of the playoffs. It's kind of like the page playoff in curling. How if you if you win that one, you're right to the final, and if you lose, you go play the semifinal, so you get the second chance. But if you win that game, you're guaranteed the final mm-hmm. here. So I would say Pacific and Forge probably are obviously at the top. But even so, like. They've kind of dropped back down. Ottawa is a team that Cavs have struggled with in the past, but they went out to TD place this year and finally beat them. Ottawa can be pesky, but really, like, Cavs have been lucky, really, this year with with injuries, with the way they played. I worry about Forge, obviously, because that's the team that's always gotten the better end of Cavs in the end, and you get through them, you beat them in that first 1-2 playoff, you go right to the final, you might see them again, who knows, but it's all about... Staying healthy, these final two games, working out. They got to reach the 2,000-minute mark that the CPL instored this year for, to get domestic players uh, more minutes. And uh, Cavs are 115 minutes away, so they could easily get that uh, with two players on the weekend. So. Uh, it's exciting it's stuff. Good. It's fun. Uh,
0: one local team in the Stamps on the struggle bus, mm-hmm.
3: the other the best team in their league. Damn right.
0: Uh, so it's uh, good times in the uh, city of Calgary. All right, um, before we go, uh, Maddie thought of this game up when I was, I was away or off, which is shocking. <laughs> but, uh, Maddie thought of a, a game called problems, uh, hit it. GDB. Once again, it's
1: not a game. Right. It's right now. What are the emotions like going through your head? <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's uh I'm tired of losing, man. i uh, been here for seven years and all I've done is loss.
2: Houston. We have a problem.
0: All right, Maddie, go ahead. You want my first one? You want my first one? It's pretty
1: simple. It's pretty easy. We go over the uh, past week from the NFL. Obviously, lots of teams. They got some problems right now. We got four teams across the NFL who are now 0-3. We got some good teams that are looking way worse than we expected. So we go over and we look at some players, some positions, some things that might be problems for groups of people moving forward. Just a little recap, really. Yeah. Who do you want to go first? I want to start. Okay. I got one. I'm going to go with the Titans' offensive line. Mm. Humongous problem. Back-to-back games, they've given up five sacks. And little Ryan Tannehill isn't getting any younger, George. Derrick Henry's average yards per run have dropped game by game. He had an abysmal 20 yards on 11 carries Sunday. An average of just 1.8. His longest rush was only 9 yards. He's getting hit well before he gets to the line almost every time he gets the ball. Pick up
0: Tajay Spears.
1: Good thing you got DeAndre Hopkins over there. Too bad the quarterback is getting hit before he can get the ball out. This team is a mess, and to me, it starts in the trenches. This O-line, they're a problem for Titans fans. They're a problem for Derrick Henry. They're a problem for Derrick Henry fantasy owners. You name it, this group's a problem uh josh mcdaniels he's a problem
3: i think this has a been a big problem and anytime he becomes a head coach he becomes a problem for this team he's coaching couldn't figure out whether he was down by eight or what was it ten whatever it was, he it was need- eight eight he needed a touchdown either way kicks the field goal terrible. uh terrible decision there at the end but this has just been what he's been going through every time he gets a chance to be a head coach and away from tom brady away from bill belichick he crumbles And the Las Vegas Raiders, they have a problem. They constantly have a problem of just recycling the same old. They need a culture change. That team used to be so proud for so long under the old Al Davis days back in the day with Oakland in the 60s and 70s. Tom Flores, all those great teams back then. Raiders are a problem, and it starts with our head coach, Josh McDaniels, your problem with the Las Vegas Raiders. You know who the problem is? Nah. Travis Kelsey,
0: and here's why. <laughs> <laughs> Travis Kelsey is in a can't-win situation. The guy has to beat Travis Kelsey and help the Chiefs repeat as Super Bowl champions. We haven't a repeat Super Bowl champion since the Patriots did it 0-4-0-5. in the 2000s. Yep. Um, he's a guy that he is a surefire, slam dunk, Hall of Famer, one of the best pass catchers at his position. And now, if he's not playing up the standard, and if he's not Travis Kelsey, he's got problems. Because why? Everybody's gonna be focusing on his personal life, and if and if things are over with Taylor Swift before it even began here, he's, the he's problem, got problems because because now he's got problems because now he has to answer questions about it, and you know who else has to answer questions about it? His teammates.
3: Yeah, because Taylor Swift doesn't have to answer to anything.
0: No, she doesn't have to worry about anything. She doesn't She's have to go around up for the media Travis, every damn week. Yeah, this is, is all talk about, about everything going this on. This is her all life. about
3: Travis Kelsey. Yep, they should. Be. And again, I'm jealous. Is it? Could it be? Too, is it going to be a distraction for this Chiefs group? It could be a problem.
1: Travis Kelsey could be a hey, problem. For he the has one, he has one bad game, and you know who they're blaming? Taylor Swift. D Swift. Also, idea I just came up with. What if we made musicians do a post-concert presser? Some, they do I mean they do the halftime show, they do a press conference They whoever he,
3: performs at the halftime show. But felt, I
1: agree. It felt like you were doing the course to anti-hero and you forgot the lines and let the backup vocals take over. <laughs> what Can, happened there? Would you be able to talk about
3: what happened yeah. there?
0: Uh. That costume change. Why the bedazzled boots instead of yeah. the uh, sheen boots? I don't know. I... you
1: were a little delayed. I've seen this show 47 times, and it took you three minutes compared yeah. to 245. Are you, are you drinking
3: enough water up there, Taylor? <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, you got another one? All right, one? I got another one. I feel bad for this guy. It's not even his fault, but Zach Wilson. It, know, well, okay, it kind of is. Whole it's line not, not, it's, not Zach okay, Wilson. it's not his, but also he's not good. It's not your fault you're now in this position where you've got a good team, minus their offensive line, You're meant to win. You were supposed to watch this absolute legend of the sport come in and ride his coattails to, I don't know, maybe a ring or at least like a playoff victory. But now he is here. I don't know if he has some sort of blackmail on Joe Douglas and Robert Sala (laughs) because they refuse to go out of market and find somebody else to come help them. Garrett Wilson hates him. He's completed 52% of his passes this season. Four interceptions to just two touchdowns. For the already beat down Jets fan, Zach Wilson, you are a problem. The Arizona Cardinals, they might have a problem when Kyler Murray comes back. They're a good
3: team right now, I think. <laughs> they're all right. They're not maybe not good, <laughs> but they're all right. They could be good. Team. They're yeah. not just... Patrick, they're plucky. They're plucky. <laughs> they're plucky yeah, Cardinals. The Week one, blew that lead to Washington. Should have won. Week two. What happened in that second after the Giants?
0: Absolutely, and then week won. three
3: put everything all together with the uh, with that win over the Dallas Cowboys. Josh Dobbs, that was his first win as an NFL quarterback. All the teams he played for were all congratulating him and everything. Yep. Like, hey, yeah, good for you, Josh Dobbs. I, I loved him. What's going to happen when Kyler Murray comes back? Like, he's going to he's going to be able to come off the PUP after this coming week. Obviously, he's going to need a couple weeks to get ready. But we know what the situation is with Kyler Murray last year. With him, with the call of duty, with yeah. the contract, and trade him like, to the Jets. Maybe like, but that's the thing. But like, maybe, maybe, are, but are every the, quarterback trade. But are the, Jets. the when Kirk Cousins trade them? Are Jets. the Jets even going to be good enough to make a trade for one of these quarterbacks? I don't think they are. They're good everywhere but the O line. But and Zach Wilson. Like they got the Chiefs this week. They got the Chiefs coming into MetLife this week. Good
1: luck. Good luck. I uh, can't.
3: But yeah, the Arizona Cardinals might have a problem when uh, with Kyler Murray coming back because I think the team wants to play with Josh Dobbs. I think they were disrespected with the media this year. Like, yep. oh, tanking for Caleb Williams, top two picks. No. I think the Cardinals are a proud team. And I think Jonathan Gannon, as awkward as that was this offseason, I think they're, they're a fun... There could be different with Josh Dobbs.
0: Uh, I have a problem with the fact that we haven't mentioned Sean Payton and the Broncos. Yeah. This <laughs> in this it's excitement. just easy to eat. The culture in Denver is a problem, and it's a big-time <laughs> problem. That's a proud franchise that has such a, a, a history of winning, well, losing Super Bowls, but then winning Super Bowls. That marriage between Sean Payton and Russell Wilson, it looks like a big-time problem. When you get a 70-burger dropped on you in a game in Miami against the Fish... And and then you get testy with the media if you're Sean Payton. We're three games into this, Sean. That's a problem. Next question. You need to right the ship here. It's a problem right now in Denver. They look like... They look like a shadow themselves. And you know what else is a problem right now? Sean Payton's legacy. I asked Charles Davis about this. Again, I hear about all these great coaches. The hoodie, Bill Belichick. What a a wizard. What a this. The guy's barely 500 without Tom Brady. In fact, I don't even think he's 500 without Tom Brady as quarterback. And you know what's a problem for Sean Payton? He looks like he doesn't have Drew Brees as his quarterback anymore. Sure, Russell Wilson looks like he's done right now because he's worried about kissing babies and shaking hands and Russell Wilson, Inc., Sean Payton's a problem right now in Denver, and until that team wins, his legacy is going to be
3: a problem for Sean Payton. I had this kind of question bantering over last weekend. Is Russell Wilson still a first ballot Hall of no, Famer? No, 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 he's not. Is he even a Hall of Famer right now?
1: No. Recency bias says no. He's not. No
3: MVPs. That's right. One Super Bowl, one loss in a Super Bowl. But over the last five, six years, like, even at the end of Seattle, it kind of got down. Here's a amazing question for you.
0: defense. Who's more of a Hall of Famer? Russell Wilson or Phillip Rivers? Russell,
3: because he's got the ring. Ooh, I don't know. you look the at the ring. stats. Mm. I don't. Rivers did it long time, consistent. I know he never won I'm in the saying. postseason, but I'm saying.
1: Phillip could come back and win a ring with the Jets, though. He could. Yeah. And also,
0: Wilson can thank
1: the Legion of Boom. All right. Yeah, that's, that's that what I was saying. That defense yeah. was ridiculous. Yeah. You know who's the problem? Mike McDaniel where's the killer instinct bro (laughs) dudes out there smoking vapes talking slick in the crowd coaching yeah that was funny (laughs) but you don't want to match the record for points scored i like that now keep in mind this is a guy who went for the touchdown on fourth and two to make it 42 to 13 on their first (laughs) drive of the third quarter but when you get down to the short Ah, strokes you're like no
3: too much no we don't want
1: to do that you know when you're playing this team, you were a ball boy for them. They wouldn't even coach you. Put these guys in the dirt,
0: and that's Come what he on. did. And that's what he did because they didn't even interview him, and he's sour about that.
1: Three points more, you would have tied the record, and then they would have had to ask Sean Payton about being a part of the record. I think the Mike Gettys is a bit of a problem. Killer instinct. Let's
0: see it. Also, uh, I agree with him going for the touchdown. When you're up that many points, you don't kick a field goal. You don't. That's more disrespectful to the team by kicking a field goal than scoring a touchdown to stop him on the touchdown it would okay. be worse if they lined up to kick three when they're already up like 30 points I, I, just score the touchdown it's more a, disrespectful to kick a field goal a really so actually point. he did that and credit to him he could have stopped him at the record but he still was like hammering the again champagne's the problem in the denver broncos <laughs> are the problem whatever that Vonta defense they're supposed to have this season yeah. too oh patrick shertan can shut down tyree kill how did that work out on sunday but, uh, yeah, uh, the Broncos are a problem. And Mike McDaniel, he's a weird-looking dude, too. Like, he is I,
1: a, I a squirrely-looking dude, looking I dude love who his vibe, is like, dude. He's, uh, he's winning he's, games. He's got car salesman vibes. He's oh, he, car salesman so vibes. He needs yeah. a gold tooth. What do you got
3: coming up in
0: uh, XL Big Show, Buccio, Big Show, Big Show, Big Show more?
1: Interesting teams,
3: I'm thinking, heading into the NHL season is the Ottawa Senators. I want to talk to about, mm. uh, about them with uh, Murray Pam from FullPressHockey.com. Uh,
0: uh, Tim Stutzla, the guy can
1: shoot it. My yep. goodness, good, he's, he's a very good player. Like, hey, like, hot take. Leon took good got player. the fifty
3: goals in his fourth year. Could Tim Stutzla mm-hmm. get the fifty goals in his fourth year? Interesting stuff. All right, sit for
0: us. Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon. Where we'll get your favorite Next podcatcher? Question. Yeah, uh, we'll be back tomorrow. What do we got? Dave Dickinson on the show. Just Dicky right now. Yeah, That's gonna be a tough one tomorrow with Dave. Do yeah. a happy man. Do a little bit of golf. Yeah. Yeah. We'll we'll go. Ryder Cup Some this weekend, too. Yell. All right. Have a great Tuesday. Bye. Bye. Sit, Ubu. Sit. Good dog.